The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. We are back here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Happy Monday to you. Hope that you are staying safe, that you are staying healthy, social distancing, but not being socially distant. Make sure you talk to your loved ones, your friends, your family, and your basketball faithful. And hopefully we here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast can get you through another week of shelter in place, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. My name is Greg Mraz, your host. A pleasure as always to be talking with you Bulls fans. Remember, if you have not yet subscribed to us, please do so. You can go to iTunes or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, search Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls, hit that subscribe button, write us a review, leave a rating, do all of those things that are necessary to help grow this product. Now, we were off for a little while. We came back with an episode last week effectively saying that the season was over even if it wasn't. And I started to give a little bit of a projection for what I thought might happen. And going off of a couple of reports from Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago and Joel Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times that said that the Bulls would be trying to find a new executive to effectively replace Gar Foreman and work alongside John Paxson. Well, the reason why we're recording an episode today is that that got taken a step further. In a story that was filed to Adrian Wojnarowski, and you know this NBA Twitter, you know this, NBA podcast listeners, that if Wojo drops a bomb, you know that number one, the source is reliable, and number two, it needs to be taken seriously. Because for the last three years, every time I want to look at something on NBA Twitter that has to do with breaking news, it comes from Adrian Wojnarowski. That's why ESPN paid him, I assume, an ungodly amount of money to become their Adam Schefter. So, Woj dropped a bomb on Friday night saying that the Chicago Bulls have embarked on a formal search to hire a top executive with full authority on basketball decisions. This is from his story filed to ESPN.com. Quote, Chicago ownership has discussed the plan with Executive VP of Basketball Operations John Paxson and GM Gar Foreman, those sources said. Paxson is likely to continue in an advisory role with the franchise. There are expected to be more ownership conversations with Foreman about his future, too, sources said. The Bulls plan to talk with several candidates to lead the franchise and expect to have new leadership well before the league resumes play following the NBA's shutdown because of the coronavirus pandemic. And it says, quote, this was again on April 3rd, that the Bulls will start to conduct electronic interviews next week, meaning this week. A couple of top candidates have emerged already, but one candidate has already pulled himself out of the race. These three candidates include Nuggets GM Arturis Karnasovas, Toronto General Manager Bobby Webster, and Indiana Pacers General Manager Chad Buchanan. Now, Buchanan has already pulled himself out of consideration, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, but first I want to talk about the significance of what was put out here. And I think that it is as significant of any bull story that we've seen come across in quite a long time. The collective Bulls fan or Bulls media member knew that the Bulls were not going to part with John Paxson and Gar Foreman completely. That's not how Reinsdorf ownership groups work. If you're a Chicago sports fan, you know that the Reinsdorf family also owns the Chicago White Sox. And Kenny Williams was their GM 
up until a couple of years ago when they promoted him to this advisory presidential role and made Rick Hahn the GM and the guy that handles most of baseball operations. The Reinsdorfs don't just get rid of guys. They keep guys around because they are loyal to their guys for a fault. And the Bulls have had two top basketball executives since the Reinsdorfs bought the team. Jerry Krause, the late great Jerry Krause, and John Paxson. Paxson's been running the Bulls for 18 years, which just goes to show how loyal Jerry Reinsdorf is to his employees. The fact that the Bulls are deciding to do this now proves a couple of points. Point number one, ownership knows that the organization has bottomed out. This season, more than I think any in recent memory, proves that the Bulls completely bottomed out. They had playoff expectations based on a core that they felt was ready to win, and they weren't. They had a coach that was put in place by management because management believed in that coach, and that coach completely failed. And to defend Jim Boylan a little bit, Jim Boylan is not a very good coach, but nobody else expected that Jim Boylan was going to be a successful NBA head coach. He bottomed out after four years at the University of Utah before they joined the Pac-12. So I don't think there's anybody out there that expected that Jim Boylan would have ever been an NBA head coach after he had gotten fired at Utah. So that's not Jim Boylan's fault that he gets hired as the coach of the Bulls. That's on John Paxson. John Paxson. That's on Gar Foreman. That's on management. That's not on Boylan himself. So you look at that. You look at some of the misses in regards to trades. You look at some of the misses in regards to drafting. And granted, I actually think that the Paxson administration has generally drafted pretty well. Jimmy Butler is one of the best late first-round picks in recent memory and one of the two best non-lottery picks in recent memory, him and Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors, who was a second-round pick. So I don't think drafting has necessarily been that big of a problem. But I think a lot of the trades that have been made have not netted these guys back as much as desired. I think the Butler trade to Minnesota is going to go down as a black mark on John Paxson and Gar Foreman's resume. You know, Butler has turned himself into a superstar. He was still under team control at the time. And while Zach Levine's a nice piece, he's not a superstar. I think the trade of Taj Gibson to Oklahoma City proved to be a disaster. I mean, they got back Cameron Payne in that trade, and Cameron Payne is going to go down as one of the worst Chicago Bulls maybe ever. That guy wasn't even close to being an NBA player. And while I think that John Paxson and Gar Foreman had some good drafts, they also had some pretty bad drafts. Think about Marcus Teague. That guy was a first-round pick. Denzel Valentine has proved to be a bust. Doug McDermott was probably one of the worst first-round picks in the last few years. I mean, you took that guy ahead of Gary Harris. Actually, they took Gary Harris and then traded with the Denver Nuggets to get Doug McDermott. And Gary Harris has turned out to be a pretty darn good player for the Nuggets. So I think the Bulls' acknowledgement of their failures is progress going forward. Now, I also feel like there could be some hindrances here. And that is if, like we said in our last episode, ownership wants to consider Jim Boylan to stay on as head coach. And that is why I believe Chad Buchanan pulled himself out of the running. So before we get into our two main candidates, I want to talk about Chad Buchanan. Chad Buchanan is currently the GM of the Indiana Pacers. He was hired by them in June of 2017 after being the AGM for the Charlotte Hornets. And prior to being the AGM there, he spent 10 years in the Blazers organization with his main position being the director of college scouting. 
So what Buchanan does really well is scout collegiate players and be able to draft. And that's why he would have been an appealing choice. But he declined the interview request. And before this story even became a story, there were a lot of people in Chicago media that were bringing up Chad Buchanan's name. People like him. He's well-respected in collegiate circles. He's well-respected in scouting circles. But why would he turn down the Bulls? And I think the answer is twofold. Number one, I don't think he sees the Bulls as an advantageous situation for his personal development. I think he's in a better situation to grow that team than he does in Chicago. The second reason is, is I don't believe he feels like he could have full control if he's hired by the Bulls. And already in a situation where he's got a team that can compete right now, maybe he doesn't have as much authority in that situation as he might want, but I think he's going by the old adage that a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. And I think that right now in Indiana, he's got a situation where he can grow his personal career, he can grow that team, and potentially end up getting a better job. Now, you're probably wondering, well, why is the Bulls not a better job? Well, the Bulls isn't a better job because it has turned into a worse job, which seems like I'm talking myself in circles, but I'm really not, and here's why. Because they've refused to change for so long, the Bulls organization has grown a negative reputation in NBA circles. As we've said on a couple episodes before, guys from Chicago don't want to go back and play in Chicago. So it's going to take somebody taking a risk on the Bulls to be able to grow the Bulls' reputation back to where it was during the Jordan heyday. And I think during the first few years of John Paxson's tenure, especially during the Scott Skiles era when they had the Chris Duhans and the Kirk Heinrichs and the Ben Gordons, I don't know why I thought of Chris Duhon first. That was just the first name that came to mind. I think that Kirk Heinrich is probably a better guy to associate with those mid-2000s eras Bulls. But Paxson did a good job of building that team. He did a good job of building up the team around the 2010 era when they fell into Derrick Rose and were able to develop a team that could compete under Tom Thibodeau for an Eastern Conference championship. And they did that. But after Derrick Rose's injury... Nothing really was ever the same with the team. They remained competitive, but then once Paxson fired Thibodeau, that was sort of the end. They brought in Fred Hoiberg, and it really wasn't the same. The talent was still there, but the team was never the same. And once Rose was jettisoned and eventually Butler was jettisoned, it just didn't seem like a competent organization anymore. It felt like John Paxson had somewhat grown past his time. So I think that the reputation that a lot of people have in NBA circles about Bulls upper management is why they're hesitant. And what I'll say about that in particular is that the report from Adrian Wojnarowski said that Paxson would be staying on in an advisory role. Well, we don't know what that is. We have absolutely no idea what that is supposed to be. Is that hey, I'm going to give you a couple of hints here and there, or is that still the puppet master pulling the strings? If it's the latter, then the report that was put out is complete bogus, and this top basketball executive is effectively just a figurehead to the public when in reality it's still Paxson making decisions. And if guys in NBA circles know that that's the case, they're not going to want the job, period. End of story. And maybe Chad Buchanan feels like he has to be a sovereign executive and not have anybody else around him. And I understand that. 
I understand wanting to have control of your own ship and put your own people in charge and bringing your own advisors. There's so many contingencies on this that you are going to scare away candidates. And the guy the reports had a month ago as the top candidate for this job won't even take an interview. That should already tell you what this search is going to look like. So if you're able to find a top guy, a guy that you feel like can change the course of this franchise and will work within these parameters that you've set, granted how silly they might be, you've got to get them. But talking about Chad Buchanan any further is a moot point. So let's move on to candidate number one, Arturis Karnasovas. Now, who is Arturis Karnasovas? Karnasovas is the general manager of the Denver Nuggets, but he is not the top executive. Tim Connolly is the top executive. In June of 2017, Karnasovas got promoted from AGM to GM, and Connolly got promoted from GM to the president of basketball operations. So Connolly's the overseer of everything, but Karnasovas is the guy that makes the contractual decisions, the day-to-day decisions. One of his big signings was giving Paul Millsap a multi-year deal back in July of 2017. He became the AGM for the Nuggets in 2013 after he was a scout with the Rockets for five years. So Karnasovas has already interviewed with the Bulls, and you assume that he is going to have to take full control of everything. He's in a good situation already. He has shown that he can work with a team, draft well, and develop guys from within. He's also got a great connection to the European pipeline. He drafted Nikola Jokic. He drafted Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic now playing with the Portland Trailblazers. But this is somebody that can scout internationally, which is something that the Bulls really have not been able to do that well. And you might say, well, what about Nico Miritich? Well, I think in a lot of circles, people consider Nico Miritich to be an absolute bust. I certainly would as well. Forget about Nico Miritich. We're not going to talk about Nico Miritich anymore. Miritich is an absolute bust, and we all know it. But Karnasovas is a guy that if he comes in and takes over basketball operations, you're going to see a good mix of drafting, scouting, developing, and also being able to sign the proper free agents. This is a guy that has a lot of respect in NBA circles, but you have to give him autonomous authority over everything. If he's going to take the interview, there has to be a conversation that says, this is my show, and if Paxson's an advisor... He does not have the final say on anything. It is my decision, my choice, my team. I get my scouts in place. We do this my way. And I think that's how he gets the job. Now, where does it relate to Karnasovas and Jim Boylan? Denver has a coach in Michael Malone that is one of the most respected young coaches. And granted, young, it's his second job. He was the coach in Sacramento. But when he was an assistant coach with the Golden State Warriors, people thought he was absolutely brilliant. I feel like he didn't get enough time in Sacramento to prove his worth. But in Denver, he is proving to be one of the better coaches in the NBA. And the Nuggets are a unique team in the fact that most of their talent for being an elite team the last couple of years, most of their talent is homegrown. They have developed pretty much most of their talent. And what's one thing that the Nuggets have done that the Bulls have not been able to do? And that's find a big man. 
In fact, before they traded Nurkic, they had two big men. But I think people figure that Nikola Jokic is probably one of the top five, maybe the top three true centers in the NBA. And granted, there aren't a whole lot of true centers anymore, but he's a really damn good basketball player. He's a good shooter. He's a good post-up guy. He's a really good passer. Jokic is a guy that you would kill to have as your five because he's an elite scorer from the post, which you don't see a lot in the modern NBA. And I feel like if you have that matchup advantage, you can expose a lot of teams' weaknesses in terms of how they're built. And he can even pop out and shoot the jumper once in a while. If Karnasovas is the guy that scouted Jokic and drafted Jokic, that's all the proof you need in the world to show that he is the right guy. Now let's go to our second guy, and that's Toronto Raptors general manager Bobby Webster. Like Karnasovas, Webster is the GM under president of basketball operations Masai Ujiri, who is one of the most heralded basketball minds in all of the NBA. He is given most of the credit for building the 2019 NBA champion Toronto Raptors, making the risk to trade for Kawhi Leonard, but also being able to draft and develop guys like Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, amongst others, finding diamonds in the rough like Kyle Lowry, somebody that was rejected by a lot of NBA circles but has really found himself as a part of the Toronto Raptors. Now, Bobby Webster has a very intriguing background. Webster is from Hawaii. He joined the NBA front office in 2006 working with the NBA Labor Relations Committee, where he advised the CBA signing in 2011. He also served as the NBA's associate director for salary cap management before he joined the Raptors front office in 2013. So he's worked on the financial side of the NBA and the labor negotiation side of the NBA before coming to the Raptors, which shows you that, number one, he's good with money and good at managing contracts. That's a big part of it. So you have somebody like Webster, and then you counter him with somebody like Karnasovas. Webster, more of the financial numbers guy, and Karnasovas, more of the draft and development type of guy. But here is something that is really intriguing about why I think it's going to end up being Bobby Webster. His dad is from Chicago. There's a story that came out in The Athletic that said that he idolized Michael Jordan growing up and that he had a poster of Jordan on his wall. His dad is from Chicago. This is huge. There is an affinity for the Bulls there that I don't think anybody else in this search process has. You get a Bulls fan, a lifelong Bulls fan potentially, to be running the organization, if you give him this all-becoming title of the president of basketball operations, a promotion over what he has now in Toronto, and to run the team that he grew up rooting for? How do you say no to that? I'll tell you how you say no to that. If you're told that you got to keep Jim Boylan as your coach. I think that that would be a deal-breaker for Karnasovas. I don't think that it would be a deal-breaker for Bobby Webster. I think Bobby Webster has enough of an affinity for Chicago given his background, that he would take the job sight unseen. It's a promotion from what he's already got, and he gets a chance to move back to the United States. Again, he's working in Canada and be able to work for the team that had the player he idolized growing up. I think that's huge. I think that that is something that could prove to be 
a gigantic piece of this puzzle for the Chicago Bulls. If Masai Ujiri had taken the job with the New York Knicks, as a lot of people wanted him to do, I don't think that Webster would have even been a consideration. He would have been automatically promoted to the president of basketball operations. But I guess you have to level whether or not it's worth leaving somebody as good as Ujiri to go work for the Reinsdorfs and be the head honcho. Now, I don't necessarily think the Bulls are classifying this position as the president of basketball operations. Maybe that title is still held by John Paxson, but you have to make it clear to him that even though it's not the title of president of basketball operations, the fact that he is still the guy in charge of everything, that is what is going to make or break whatever deal you have. Now, who are some other candidates outside of these two? Well, Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago reported the Bulls would like to speak with Miami Heat assistant general manager Adam Simon. There are talks that they could potentially try and go after Sam Presti in Oklahoma City and make him the head honcho, buy out his contract, pay him more, do whatever you can to get him from Oklahoma City to Chicago where he's going to have a little bit more freedom in terms of what he spends. I don't necessarily know where this is going to go, but I think the guy you hire is going to end up saying a lot about what he'll be able to do. I know that the Wojnarowski report said that this guy is going to have full authority. As the old saying goes, I will believe it when I see it, because I don't believe it yet. I just don't. There is so much that has been shown in the way that the Reinsdorfs run their operations that tells me that this is not going to be what we're being promised it is. Just my inclination. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's wrong. But that's just what I think. And what I feel like right now is that the Bulls have got to look themselves in the mirror and say we've committed to going through with this process. We've got to go 100% or not go at all. Because if they don't go at it 100%, then there's basically no difference in anything that they've done. But if you can get this structure in place now, the NBA shutdown, this is the perfect time to do it. You have effectively already entered the offseason. You make your changes now, and you are that much better of an organization going forward than you are if you wait and delay to make these changes until they're playing basketball again. And who knows how the NBA calendar is going to function out at this point. We don't know. We have absolutely no idea when the NBA is going to pick up again, if it's going to pick up again, if they have a scheduled time and place to start the 2020-2021 season. I mean, they may not start that season until Christmas time. Either this season shortened, which it probably will be outright canceled, next season shortened, and then you restart the 21-22 season on the normal clock. Who knows what's going to happen at this point? I don't think anybody does. But what we know at this point is the Bulls are not going to sit on their hands. They're going to do what's necessary to better their team for the future. As for the Boylan question, we'll only know that once this new guy is put into place. Could the Bulls effectively fire their coach with the season not yet over? These are times that we have absolutely no idea how they're going to shake out. The coronavirus is going to dictate a lot of this, but if the Bulls can make a decision on the new direction of their basketball operations department, we're going to have a much better idea about the future of the franchise in the immediate future and in the distant future. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. 
Make sure you check out the rest of our team podcast by going to hoopball.com, checking out our podcast page. You can search us on Apple Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, etc., etc. Go back and listen to the first three episodes of the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. I think the third one is still relevant. The first two might be a little bit dated because they were talking about game-specific stuff, but there are some retrospective opinions about the future of the Bulls coaching staff and the front office. But we have news, we have storylines, and we're going to have to see how they play out over the course of the next couple of days. I feel like the Bulls are going to make this higher before the end of the week. They'll have a teleconference to introduce this new figure If I had to be a betting man, I'd say it's Bobby Webster right now just because of the Chicago appeal, but I could be wrong. The Bulls could pull a rabbit out of the hat. They may not hire anybody at all, and we might just be total dopes. But in any event, that is it for this episode of the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. Have a great week. Stay safe. And as always, Go Bulls! This has been a Hoopball presentation. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org.